There's no editing. We're, we're starting now. Welcome to This Week in Zoltan, everybody. This is a special episode. Usually I do these by myself and I talk to myself like a lunatic, but um, I'll be honest with you, the, uh, this lockdown has made me so sad. Uh, <laughs> it, it's made me so sad. I love that I'm saying that as there's a painting of my face over my shoulder. Right over yeah, there. I like that. <laughs> but, and he uh, doesn't look sad in the painting. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, uh, that's how I want to feel all the time. It's a good comparison. You know what that reminds me of is Bob Hansen, how he said every photo he takes has to be him holding up the, the thumb. thumbs up sign so that when they have that true Hollywood story of like, his life was in the gutter, his, it went to shit. And then it's just every picture of him like. <laughs> That's exact. I stole that from him. Oh, so yeah. I, I do that in every photo. Every photo I take with like people after a show, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it gets made fun of constantly. And I go, no, I took that from Bob Hansen and. This is the joke he tells with it. I love it. But uh, let me introduce you. This is my buddy, Jesse Egan, fellow San Diegan uh, comedian. And he just shot his uh, Dry Bar Comedy special, which is available at drybarcomedy.com and on their app for free. Uh, but I was thinking about your recording. You're like my longest uh, friendship in comedy. Is that uh, right? I think so. Like, I met you yeah, when we I started got the same year, you and I. Uh-huh. 2006. 2006. All the way. That was a different world, man. 2000. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, mean, I remember I, those days because I was at Winston's and you were not yet 21 doing stand up and you would, we had to make you wait outside. <laughs> and I mean, that's commitment because now if you th think about like, I had to wait to do Winston's. You know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> now, now, yeah. people, now people would like try to get out of Winston's if they're like, dude, just come by. We'll give you a half hour. And you're like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. But yeah, I remember the first time I did it, I was, uh, I think I was 19 or 20 and I waited outside and I was so nervous to go in there. Cause it was like a real, this is my first time performing at a bar with adults, you know? And while I was, I was like trying to memorize my jokes and this like Rastafarian homeless man came up to me. And he goes, what are you doing standing outside? And I'm like, oh, I'm about to go on stage to do comedy. And he's like, you're a comedian? And then he proceeds to tell me like 10 minutes worth of like knock-knock jokes and like street jokes. And then I go on stage and I forgot all my jokes. And all I could remember were the awful jokes he told me. <laughs> and of course, I wasn't going to say it. But I remember John Saccone filmed that set. And what I did, this is how nervous I was. I took the mic out of the mic stand. And then I had my arm around it. Around the mic stand? Around the mic stand, like in the pit of my elbow here. And I just did my jokes like this, all terrified, absolutely terrified. <laughs> like a stripper just hugging the pole. Yeah, first day on the dance, you know? And you're just like, hey, I'm not ready for this. And the thing you didn't know about that situation was that homeless Rastafarian man, that was our head doorman. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to say that was <laughs> <laughs> that was Bill. Bill Winston. <laughs> Bill Winston. Uh, you're still living in Ocean Beach. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. They can't get rid of me. I'm down here. I'm dug in like a tick. <laughs> How and, much? Uh, <laughs> or a flea, maybe. Probably a flea for these people. Um, the flea on the ass of Ocean Beach. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, I'm when I moved to San Diego from the East Coast, I moved to Claremont, which is much worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like when I first moved there, like I got to 
be introduced to something called crystal meth. I didn't do the meth, but I was like, what is that? And they're like, it's like dirty cocaine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like made with bleach and lasts all day and knocks your teeth out. I was like, what? Um, and I had come from DC where it was all like crack, you know, and I was still like, hmm, this is worse. No, um, yeah, crack is a little bougie to people that like meth. Yeah, but yeah. it was like, I had just moved there and I, so I, it was introduced to that. And then a tank drove through my neighborhood. I don't know if you remember that. You there were was a tank. Tank? Yeah, the tank. Yeah. Like the first, like when I first moved there, basically there was like a guy, um, I think on meth that stole a tank <laughs> and drove it through the neighborhood and crushed all the cars. Every, all the cars on either side were getting smashed. And then he went on the freeway and they had to like, Lord, they, they shoot his ass, didn't they? They had to yeah, climb they, into the, they climbed in and shot him. Yeah. I think he got the tank stuck on like a median, and then mm -hmm. he was going to go into oncoming traffic, and they were like, "Nah, son." So yeah, yeah, we got it. We got to shoot you, I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, I was just going to say, moving from there, I was like, "Ocean Beach is a paradise." I am love this. You know, this is great. Is this this seawall of CD people is like I'm I'm used to this. I can I can do this. These all these people are pr prospective tank stealers. <laughs> It's way better than meth and 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 uh, and tanks on the loose. Yeah. yeah, it is. Um, well, you got to shoot your dry bar comedy special, which I got to do a couple of years ago. Tell me about the experience, because I I definitely embarrassed myself a couple times when I was there. It's in Provo, Utah, which is in the heart of yeah, it's in, yeah, it's right in the epicenter. It is, and, and what a beautiful place! First of all, Utah. Wow. Um, I had never been there before, so it was just mountains. It really didn't even look real. It looked like a, you're in a postcard. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the dry bar special is shot in, like, this little office building kind of thing, sort of like an office studio. It, it looks like it's a theater when you see the video of it, but it's kind of like they build this sort of makeshift stage, which looks beautiful, and put a bunch of chairs in there and a bunch of um, great, laughing, wonderful Mormon people come in and enjoy and there's a bunch of like 15 year old kids like selling juice drinks like their cocktails and stuff that's what got me right because they don't sell booze and you, you probably went up let me just get yeah of course like, and they're like oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh God, what? Uh, you know, they, <laughs> no, well i i assume they didn't sell alcohol because it's you know it's mormon right. but then when i was getting there like the makeup lady was like hey do you want a cocktail and i'm like yeah, I'd love a cocktail. And then they brought me this this sugary thing, and it was this big fruity cocktail. And I'm like, I'm not against fruity cocktails. And I was drinking it, it was so sweet. And I'm like, I looked at her, and I'm like, man, I can't even taste the alcohol in there. <laughs> <laughs> and she, just, she looks at me blank, like she didn't say anything. She just goes, what? And I go, dry bar. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, why do you call it a cocktail then? You should call it like a mocktail or a. Or yeah, a, you're right, man. This is the whole. It's like with extra sugar on it. You're right. The buzz you'll get is from the brain freeze. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah dude. I was all jacked up on sugar. It felt like I chugged a monster energy or something. Man. That's not what I was looking to do. Yeah, I had one of those too. It was, it was like lime and whoo. But yeah, that uh, that was a really fun experience. I did two sets. They had me go first. I had to come down there earlier in the afternoon and like film this whole like walk on where you walk down the hallway and kind of like you know do like a runway walk thing to the to the stage that i guess is then on the special right um 
which is a weird feeling because they make you do it a couple times and you're like pointing at the camera and you're going, I really don't like myself that much right now. I, I don't want to see how that looks where I'm just walking and I like did a spin and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, this is not, I would never, when would I ever do this? They're like, come on, ham it up, ham it up more. I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't capture my normal walk to the stage, but all right. I would have rather done that than what they had me do. So they didn't oh. film mine in the beginning. What they did after, like, I think, because we did two shows. After the early show, and they were like, hey, one of your jokes is about fixing the toilet. So we were thinking about putting you in the bathroom. Oh, my God. And, like, you can work with the toilet. And I'm like, I guess. All right. So <laughs> it's not even lit well. Like, the special is shot beautifully. But they just oh, took yeah. the camera into... You know how bathrooms are lit with that murder lighting, just that fluorescent murder light. And then I'm just in there and the toilet doesn't even have a tank because it's not uh it's it's like a public restroom, you know, where it's just a, you don't have tanks for some reason. Like it's like in the wall. So I'm just like I just look my the opening to my dry bar special is just me looking confused at a toilet. And then, and then you, you hear the old bit where you're talking about like you look in the reflection and see your dad like Simba yeah. in the water. He's, yeah. I, I love that bit so much. Yeah, yeah, that was the closer on that thing. Like, oh, man, that bit is so good. That's, that's why they wanted it in there. Right. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this thing. And then, um, but it looked horrible. It looked really bad. So, <laughs> as bad as whatever you're spinning going, like your <laughs> intro, where you're just like, <laughs> doing this, it's nowhere near as bad as the poorly lit bathroom. They had me looking confused into a commode for no reason. And that's yeah. the opening. <laughs> because think about it, that doesn't even make sense to the audience. Unless <laughs> you remember that at the very end of the 45 minutes when I do my closer. You're like, oh, is that why he was messing with the toilet? That's why he was in the can. <laughs> uh, well, mine's different because what I do is I spin and I point. And then they drop me down onto a toilet, and then I start my set. It's kind of weird. I, I don't know why they did that, and I have to flush a bunch of times. It's it's not good. They're trying to recreate the success of. I'm doing uh, like yeah, yeah. I'm doing like an Al Bundy version of your special. <laughs> well, I I hope it gets uh it gets all the views once they. I mean, it's it's on the app and on their website right now. But once it really starts getting eyeballs, is when they start posting it on Facebook and on YouTube. And uh, be ready for some uh, creepy DMs. Oh, I'm excited for that. I mean, I, I was watching sort of your what happened with you, which was like all of a sudden you're known as the cat uh, guy. Yeah. Which, and of course, like I always feel like I follow you, like a, a, like I'm always like a couple steps behind. Like he's the cat guy, and then like I rescue a cat, and now I have like. There's like three cats in here. Like I have my cat, my neighbor's cat is my my cat's best friend, and they take care. Like we take care of them now. And wow. then the next door neighbor just got one of these Maine coons. It's a kitten. It's like giant already. So yeah, it's I know. Sorry, of yeah. the other cats, you know. But now I'm like a cat guy, <laughs> and I'm I got like a T-shirt that I drew a cat on, and like I'm like I'm always copying the Z man, you know. What do you think, like, if, if one of the jokes takes off and then you have to be that guy? Like, Yeah, man. I mean, and you had warned me about that, too. You were like, you don't want to be the Boots and Cats dude forever. Like, you know, the beatboxing dude, you know, which right. is true. Like, to have a, that Gitter done. I mean, I think of it this way. Like, Gitter done is his 
ticket like to fortune but it also must be that thing that just like in the middle of the night makes him insane like hearing get her done it must he must wake up screaming get her done like i can only imagine what a slogan like that would do to you as a human being like to be shouted in the street like you know uh was the dave Chappelle thing you know just non-stop like you know um they're screaming bitch at him in public right. in front of his kids and everything and um i yeah. don't know i mean yeah if that was so you what bit was yours that kind of that was the one was the cat the cat yeah. bit that really yeah. went viral is the one that is the only reason that the whole thing blew up. I mean, a lot of the other videos got a lot of views too, but not in comparison to the cat jokes one because cats and the internet go hand in hand. But to me, I kind of look at it like, uh, uh, like Warrant's cherry pie. Remember Warrant? Yeah. I don't know if you know the story about that album, but that album was done. And then the record company was like, we don't have a single, go back and make a single. And then, so that night, I think they wrote the song in one night. It probably took wow. And then Cherry Pie skyrocketed. And nope. the lead singer, I think his name was Jan Jane Staley or something. I forgot his name, but he hated that song. Wow. He was like, That's I just wrote that song just to get the album out. And I it's my least favorite song. And not that the cat jokes is my least favorite joke, but it's the most popular by a country mile. And I feel like it's not my best joke at all. Like I wouldn't even put it in my top twenty best jokes. Isn't that and, funny? Yeah, but that's the one that people resonate with. That's why people buy tickets to come see me. Yeah. And, and well, that just kind of goes to show it, it in stand up, it really is about pleasing the audience. You know, there, sure. there's so many times we talk about having to shelve material that we love just because it doesn't resonate with the, the majority of the audience. Right. And I think that's incredible that you can stumble upon something that really does resonate with, with a lot of people like that. And, yeah. It might not be your favorite thing, but it's just this thing that really catches on. It's, it's you can't amazing. choose. I'm not at all mad at it, but it's interesting. Like I kind of see what that lead singer of of Warrant was talking about with Cherry Pie. But you're absolutely right. Like like uh, there's comics out there, not now anymore because of COVID, but there were stadium acts. They would perform in giant arenas, maybe even stadiums. And you know, maybe comics like you or me wouldn't be like, well, they're not a great comic. They kind of do whatever, but obviously whatever our thoughts are, are wrong because there's an arena full of people paying tickets to see this person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's kind of why when you, when you hear all the internet trolls, you know, they always have negative things to say. Um, I imagine successful people have no problem ignoring that just because they know that's the minority view. The majority is that people love them and that's why they're successful, you know? Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's that that's why we can't like just focus in on those negative comments or 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 feedback because that is the minority view and and the majority of the people enjoy it. So that's kind of who you need to. I mean, I do that all the time when I'm looking at an audience and there's one guy in the front that's just like, mm, I don't like it, you know, and I'm just like, what? And I'm like fixating on him and just trying to win. And like, I ignore the whole rest of the crowd. I'm like, you people laughing to hell with you. You, yeah. sir. And you. I'm going to catch you, you know? What did I do to you in a past life that you're doing this to me right now? Right. I, the only thing I've learned over the years of comedy is to like ignore that guy verbally. Like I can ignore him by not acknowledging him, but I can't ignore him in my psyche. Like my, right. my attention always focused. Like I'll scan the room, laugh, laugh, laugh. What's that guy's problem? 
Yeah. Years ago, I wouldn't be able to go without going, hey, what did I do to you? You know? And now I'm able to, like, kind of, you know, ignore it to an extent. There's been a couple times where, like, I'll wait until the very end of the show so it doesn't interrupt the show. But I've done this a couple times where I go, you guys have been awesome, except for you. I think you've uh, you sneezed once. That's all you've done. And I don't know what I did to you, but sorry. And then just to call them out at the end, just for my own personal whatever. Yeah. Everyone in the audience is like, what's he talking about? We didn't notice one guy wasn't in Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's nitpicking that that negativity. Like, I do it all the time where I, I, I call the guy out. Now, sometimes it works okay where you, you get the audience to sort of use him as a conduit. They all laugh more. But a lot of times I think it backfires where, you know, that guy will be like, my mom just died. And you're like, ooh, you know, ooh. So glad they set you in the front row. <laughs> you know, like, what do you do? You get, you're screwed at that point. You've just totally lost. But yeah. I think that happens more often than not when you when you focus on the negative, you know, is that's the result you get back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just, God, I miss on it. Last night, I don't know how you're handling all this, but I hate it. And yeah. I miss live comedy. I, I actually hate that we have to do this podcast like this instead of in the same room. Right. I, I even yeah, I mean, my the, the tough thing is the podcast that I do that has like multiple people. Like sometimes there's like in that Dungeons and Dragons the the podcast thing, we could have like eight friggin' people at once all trying to, you know, I stab the elf, and you're like, what? I can't. Ugh, I don't know. What are you talking about? You know. But in person, like you get a live group of comedians together to play a game they don't know how to play. It's yeah. hysterical. But yeah. have everybody add to that the technical side of not knowing how to use a computer. Two and you're just like, oh, this is just anger, you know. Pure anger. We've I, lost like half our recording, like half our friggin' podcasts we've recorded have gotten lost. So all the ones that come out are those treasures that were like, this worked, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of which, this might get lost. I hope it doesn't. Fingers crossed. <clears throat> but this is on Streamyard, which I did Dan Bublitz's podcast yesterday on it, and I was like, oh, this seems good. We'll try it, but who knows? That's awesome. I, Shout out to Dan. What's up, Dan? Yeah, he has the Art of Bombing podcast. Talk, talk about the, the you do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, which I've been asked to be mm-hmm. on, and I'm bummed we couldn't make it work back when we could all get in the same room together. Yeah. Yeah, but we definitely want you to come on, too. It's really, really fun. It's called Awful Neutral. And um, like I describe, it's sort of just a, a group of um, stand-up comedians, and we... <laughs> do a lot of role playing, a lot of different voice acting, a lot of different characters, and a lot of riffing. And uh, it is the most fun thing. I, I love it. I, it's it's the one thing that sort of keeps me sane is like looking forward to doing that once wow. or twice a week is recording with those guys and having some great laughs. And we had a couple guest spots on. We had Bijan come on and um, Jordan um, and uh, Dave Wright. And like everybody has like really killed it. And, and we got some huge laughs. I mean, I haven't laughed that hard in forever. So, I mean, I, I think it's uh, worth listening to, but I'll be honest, like, I, I do it just because I enjoy it. Like, I just want to, I like being on it and I listen to it, but I doubt if anyone listening to it could possibly enjoy it as much as I do. I mean, I'll be just honest with you. Like, I love it. I love yes. it. As you're saying that, I'm downloading episodes. Oh, cool. I mean, and if there's one to start on, like if you're if you're wondering, like, is there an episode maybe I should check out first or something? 
I normally would say we'll go to the beginning, but in this case, like go to the Call of Cthulhu episodes. There's two of them that are like the Halloween specials, and they're a little scarier, and they're friggin' awesome. It, it's like a two-episode arc of Halloween. It's its own part one and part two. Yeah, it's its own separate adventure. Okay. And uh, you know, Dave Callens is on it. Um, Salvador Viesca, Damian Mercado, um, Allison Gill, Caleb Cleveland. Is it? It's a number of really, really fun, awesome people. Clint Beiser, um, Sarah Lee Steiner, myself, and uh, we also also sometimes have Joe Camacho. This is a, it's a whole big cast, but anyway. It's, yeah. it's it's really fun, so I, I love it. You just gave the best and worst pitch for a podcast ever. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, I, no one's gonna like it as much as me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. We did. We have plenty of fans that that like it and interact with us on Twitter, which is very gratifying. And that's awesome. Uh, just started the Patreon and all that stuff, so it's like a, a fish. But yeah, you got to get you on, man. We'll have you play yeah, like you know. I'm, Right now, I'm playing a, a bard in in one episode, which is like a musician. <laughs> so I'm a, a minotaur who's tiny. Okay, and has like um like a, a a little man complex, but he also is like a bard, and he uh he and he just picked up a saxophone, so now he plays like a magic saxophone. So <laughs> imagine a tiny minotaur man playing a magic saxophone, and that's me. I love that. Uh, I love that Stranger Things made Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons so popular that it's now a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it made it necessarily cool. I think that like the great thing about adopting like more popular, but yeah, it's like it's um, adopting the nerd. You know, like just saying like I uh, I accept this part of myself. I'm not gonna be like, oh, I can't, I can't. Uh, I can't pretend anymore. I can't play anymore. No, it's really kind of necessary, especially right now, I think, is to have fun and uh, remember the things that as a kid made you made you happy, you know, because being alone like this and cooped up and worrying all the time is, is not healthy mentally, you know? Oh, it's killing me. I absolutely hate it. Like, even my best days are still pretty depressing. Yeah. Even you're not not a um, depressing or depressed person generally. No, I didn't realize that I was uh, my my will. Oh, let's turn that off. I didn't realize my will was so weak. (laughs) I I got sad immediately when they said we're shutting down California, and I was actually at at uh, the lady I'm seeing, Emma. I was at her place, and our reactions to those two things were so vastly different. Yeah. I went down. I went, uh, and then she was like, this is great. I'm going to be, I don't have to work and I can just stay home and like have a vacation. I haven't had like a non, a month without work for a while. And then she started, you know, working from home, but yeah. she was about it. And I was like, I was like on the verge of tears because I, I didn't like, I realized it, but stand up is such a big part of my life. It's my yoga. It's yeah. my the therapy it's 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 my going to go drink with friends it's it's my social hour it's such an important part of what i am and who i am and and uh gives me purpose in life like today i tweeted uh these last two months like i've i've learned what it's like to be a trust fund baby where i have no purpose in life 
and you don't have any, you have wants, but you can't fulfill them because they're, they're not, you can't grab them. And I just, I've become a really crappy, curmudgeony, unlikable person. Well, I think you're being a little hard on yourself, but I, I, yeah, I, can, see, yeah. I can see how that would, would, would happen. I think I react similarly in a very sort of, uh, it's, it's a topsy turvy, like roller coaster of like today is, is like scary and depressing. Yeah. And then I might forget about it for, for half a day yeah. and be like, look how beautiful it is and go out for a walk and then see everyone wearing masks again and be like, Oh shit, this is like really serious. And, and I think the Facebook and internet and stuff makes it worse when you look online and you see so much crazy stuff, so much arguing and, and conspiracy crap and, and oh, yeah. everybody's an expert telling everyone else what to do all the time. It's like, uh, you, you know, I get that everyone wants to sort of spread, oh, I saw this thing, you better check it out. But do you really think you're the first person to share this YouTube video? I mean, we get it, we get it, dude. Yeah, all those people saying, open your eyes. I'm like, uh, close yours. And your brain. <laughs> open your eyes and don't research anything. Yeah, open your eyes and check out this YouTube video, this unverified YouTube video from a guy you've never heard of, a girl you've never heard of, and they're going to tell you the truth. I can tell by the font before it gets into anything. I'm like, this is bullshit. Look at the font. Look <laughs> at the font. Look at look at the graphic design. It was an infowars.net with a with a graphic that's like yeah sheeple look you know you know it's it's you got to have some level of production value for me to believe that any effort of research was done here if it just looks like you took magazine clippings and letters and pasted them on your computer and then you're like send like that i'm not going to buy that it's just like put a little effort in make it look better than that yeah, yeah. Put more, put more production value in it, and just <laughs> eat on your side. I, I, I like for me, it's uh, anytime like your argument to me is that I'm not paying attention and I'm sheep. Right. I'm, butter my biscuits a little bit if you want me to join your side. Why don't you? Yeah. Why do you always start with an insult? Like you people are stupid. You haven't opened your eyes to Alex Jones. Yeah. You'll <laughs> eat your ass if you don't. Open your, open your eyes and your ass. <laughs> open your third eye. Uh, I actually got in trouble for that, or not in trouble. One person, I made, I made fun of Alex Jones threatening to eat his neighbor. Oh, I saw that. What that? What was that about? I don't they know. They accused you of getting political, and I was like, "How is it political to comment on how insane it is that this person is saying he's going to eat his neighbors?" There's no politics involved they don't mention like i'm gonna eat my democrat neighbors like it doesn't mention anything about politics <laughs> you know what i mean he's like you know i vote independent but i eat republicans <laughs> that's not what make any sense that's not make sense i think he was just mad that i made fun of a thing he said but the thing he said was he was gonna he wouldn't let his kids starve and he would eat his neighbors and yeah. all that in my video was like, I don't know about his kids, but I was a picky eater growing up. I'm not going to be eating <laughs> Like, it's not just, you're not just going to dump a carcass on the table, dad. And I'm just, 
<laughs> you're a kid, you're like Brussels sprouts. Yeah. You know, and then you're like, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, how are you gonna how are you gonna just slide that on? You can't dress it up like put mashed potatoes all over Bob and be like, that's not Bob, you know. Right. And I know that's Bob, you know. I'm not gonna eat that. Like that's crazy. I, I Simple about it, but the guy was like, "You're being political," and I said, "I don't know what about this is political." And he goes, "You're calling out Alex Jones," and I was like, "What is cannibalism on the ballot in November? Like, I, I don't know how any of this is." Political. I don't know how quickly Alex Jones gave up, too. I mean, it's been like a month and a half, and he's like, "Yep, that's it. I'll string him up, gut him, bleed him out, eat him." <laughs> it's like, what about growing a garden? How about the fact that the grocery store store is still wide open and stocked? <laughs> you can still go into 7-Eleven, get some chips. Yeah, you know? and Teddy Grahams. What are you doing killing your neighbor? <laughs> you Have doing? you heard of Postmates, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> he, he orders Postmates but eats the driver. Grubhub. And- <laughs> <laughs> Grubhub drivers are being eaten in Alex Jones's neighborhood. <laughs> Ass first. And also the way he said it. That's the other part of my video. I go, the way he said that he would eat his neighbors, I could already tell this. he's already done it. He's already, he's not just considered it. He's got a yeah. whole menu. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you like pitch something to your friends that you've already done. You know, right. you just see how they would react before you admit to already doing it. You're like, hey, I'm thinking of trying Pilates. And I'm like, Pilates is lame. And you're just like, oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been doing it for six weeks or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> so Alex Jones has already had, like, he's like, he, he's like, what do you guys think about um, Karen stuffed mushrooms? How do you, you think? Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> he's already eaten that. It'd be, if all of his fans were like, boo cannibalism, he'd be like wiping his mouth going, yeah, totally. I was yeah, like, totally. No, no. I I agree. Pete, uh, Pete tastes bad. You should never eat Pete. <laughs> Non-organic because he's – also, if you're so into like that the government is putting poison in the food and controlling our minds, how you can't eat other people then. Hey, they're not eating all the grass-fed mini horses that you're growing on your ranch. Like, what are you doing? He's eating grass-fed sheeple. <laughs> Wake up, open your eyes so I can eat you. Wouldn't that be awful if he did have to eat people? It would have to be the people he hates. All the like super lefties that are all organic and vegan. <laughs> He'd be eating. He's like, this guy tastes like kale. I hate it. <laughs> God, a whole lifetime of drinking green juice. Mm. <laughs> By the way, where did he get a where did he get a format? Like I thought they like got rid of him. Didn't they take him down for like being dangerous and like saying Sandy Hook was made up and Pizzagate yeah. is a pedophile ring run by who knows? I mean, like he has I thought they, I thought they, a website and all he has is his website because he's been kicked off of all the platforms. So he has a website and then people take clips of that and then share them, I guess. And then of course the craziest ones. I tried to give him a try. Because he was on, he was he did a long four hour, eight hour episode on Rogan a few months ago, and I was flying so much. I'm like, all right, let me give this lunatic a try. And he actually stuck like the first three minutes. He apologized for Sandy Hook. He goes, listen, I thought it was a thing, but it was actually real. 
So I'm sorry about that. And I was like, oh, okay. Like we've never heard that before. Maybe he was just, and then for like 30 seconds after that, he went on a rant about how our, everyone in our government is aliens and they're, they're turning the frogs gay. And he just like took it to the moon. And I was like, what? Like you almost made sense. Apologize two minutes ago and you took it straight to psycho land. And I was like, I can't listen to him because Here's the problem with conspiracy theorists. It's like it's like jumping into a show season five. Mm. All their conspiracies, for you to believe them or for you to even understand the argument, you have to believe in eight other conspiracy theories. Because all of mm. Alex Jones and like people like that, they go, well, we know the government was behind 9-11 because this conspiracy, this conspiracy, and this conspiracy. And you're like, wait a second. So it's like it's like joining, it's like watching Breaking Bad season four and yeah. you're in questions and you're like, what's happening? You're like, no, 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 dude, you got to start from season one, the JFK assassination, and then we never landed on the moon. And then once you understand that, then you realize the Nixon, Watergate, and then it yeah. gets up to the frogs are gay. But yeah, I remember Bob Hansen used to talk about that, that it was like this rabbit hole you would go down mm -hmm. and then it would it would be like um, opening up yourself to believing this one thing would would then be like, oh, they're lying to us about everything. And the earth is flat and my head is I put this tinfoil hat on. I mean, like, I think that it's a slippery slope of like, you know, 9-11 might be I remember. Bob had me on this kick and I talked to my dad about it and I was like, 9-11, you know, and he was like, uh, he goes, you know, the government is um, a lot less organized than you think. Right. He was like, have you ever seen bureaucrats try to get shit done? Like imagine them all trying to secretly get this done. Do you think that would happen? Like, I think that is the biggest um, sort of counter argument to most conspiracies is that humans are stupid and, and incapable of pulling off most of these right. secretly with this level of coordination that is, would be required to fool us all into thinking the earth is round. Yeah. You know? And why would the dumbest of our society crack it open? The yeah, people, <laughs> yeah, because they got that click button on YouTube's. It's just, I, you know, I, I remember one of my favorites, 9-11 uh, conspiracy. Um, I was in Phoenix and there was this uh, older comic, Billy O'Connell, I want to say his name was. He was a New York fire, he was a firefighter and he retired right after 9-11. And shortly after 9-11, all the conspiracies came out about it. So we asked his uncle. His uncle actually helped build the towers. And oh, wow. Yeah, so he talks to his uncle and he goes, hey, have you heard about these conspiracy theories? And he goes, yeah, you know what the, the main issue with those conspiracy theories is they're all built on the idea that those towers were built to code. Oh. That's, yeah. huh. And he goes, what were you doing right, right now anyway? All, like all of that was right. Really I just had to plug in my computer. That's my fault. <laughs> I just realized my computer was about to die. And if it died right in the middle of the anecdote, that would not be good. No, no, that would be bad news. But yeah, his whole idea was like uh, these conspiracy theories are all based on the fact that the towers were built to code. And and he goes, what they weren't? He goes, dude, there wasn't enough concrete. There wasn't enough rebar. It was built in New York City. The mobsters are all tied in with like the Teamsters and blah, blah, blah. So everyone was skimming off the top, skimming off the top. So 
you know. Hmm. Okay, so they built uh, just shoddy twin towers. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying that this dude's uncle who helped build the towers noticed that they weren't using the right amount of concrete or rebar, and he goes, "I'm surprised that he." His words were, "I'm surprised it stood up as long as it did." Hmm. Well, there you go. I think we've I think we've cracked the case on that one. You know what? All it takes is a little bit of talking at a bar. That's where you get your real information. It's not on YouTube. Have a couple beers after a comedy show, and then you'll find out the real truth. Yeah. I didn't know that the the frogs were um, going gay. Yeah, that, that wasn't actually what he said on that podcast, but that's like a, that's like a popular thing that people use to make fun of Alex Jones because he said something about gay frogs. Oh. He said something about it, and then, but I forgot what it was. It was some is, is that um is that a homophobic thing or is he is he afraid of gays or frogs or both? Everything. He's afraid of all of it. Okay. Um, but on the podcast, what he actually said was that top level government scientists are taking acid so they can communicate with aliens. So cool. yeah, right after he apologized for the Sandy Hook comments and that Sandy Hook did in fact happen, he went, I was like, oh. Maybe I've got this guy pegged all wrong. And then a minute later, he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, top level government scientists are taking acid so they can talk to communicate with the aliens. I'm like, dude, you got to ease me into that. And we wonder we wonder why so many of our friends believe this stuff. Uh, you know, when <laughs> Joe Rogan gives him a, <laughs> a platform. I mean, why, why does why does Joe Rogan let him talk for four hours like he's got. Here's, here's my defense on that, because Joe Rogan took a lot of flack for giving him a platform, right? People tour. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Like, if you listen to that guy talk for four hours or 10 minutes or 30 minutes, and you're like, that's my guy, you were going to find him anyway. Mm. If, you have, if you have any sense to you at all, and you listen to that guy ramble like he did on that Rogan podcast for eight hours or however long that episode was, and you're like, this guy's making sense to me. You were going to find him anyway, because you're also a lunatic. Like, you were going to find me, <laughs> you know? But I, I don't know. I'm a sensible person. I think most sensible people can understand psychobabble when they hear psychobabble. So give them a platform. It's like, it's, like, it's like if you're walking by the crazy homeless guy spouting nonsense. You're like, why, is, why, why are we giving him a platform on taxpayer sidewalks? It's like, dude, is he changing your mind? No. He's not. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was interesting to listen to because after that, I tried to download one of his podcast episodes, and it's just so hard to follow. And it's so over-the-top pro-wrestler character. One of Alex Jones' podcast episodes? Yeah, I tried to down I downloaded one of them. Those episodes are like five hours, and I'm like... <laughs> And I, I, I made it about 10 minutes until he just started screaming about Hillary Clinton in 2012, yeah. by the way. Like, this was yeah. this, screaming about Hillary Clinton and some other stuff. And I'm like, dude, like, I can't even understand you. You're so mad. Calm so down. mad. I didn't trust her either, but I'm not screaming about it. Yeah. <laughs> so mad. Yeah. I, I mean, off on this on the track, but we, we got deep into conspiracy theories. <laughs> We did. I, I think it's because a lot of it comes out during this quarantine where you see on social media a lot of people spreading, uh, you know, misinformation or just like yeah. nonsense, you know. 
Yeah. And I, I don't know if, if I, I assume they think they're trying to be helpful. You know, they're like, hey, wake up, you know, take the mask off, go outside, rub your face on a fucking dirty. I mean, I don't know what they're trying to say. What What are they saying? Like, just they're all lying to us. Go get the disease. I mean, I don't get it. It's like, what do you say? Like, if here's I, here's my thing is like all the people that are like uh, that are protesting and want to work, they could go work on the front lines and help with sort of the the medical emergencies that people are having. Right? I mean, right. they need help with people donating blood or people, you know, helping all these nurses that are overworked and yet um nobody's really helping amazon and be a delivery driver i think like every month they go we need seven hundred thousand more delivery drivers right so you could go do that i suppose i don't don't want to you know shit on anybody that's like out of work because it's it is a tough time you know this is this is a struggle man yeah i get that argument the argument of people that are going dude i can't i'm not drawing a paycheck yeah i got family to feed i get that I, I totally get that, but it's twelve hundred bucks is not going to do it, and I haven't gotten that either. Have you uh, gotten what twelve hundred bucks? Oh no, yeah, I'm not getting that. I'm, I I like I don't fit the criteria of who was going to get it, so I'm out. Yeah. Uh, but then unemployment. I was t- we were talking about it last night. I can't sign up for unemployment, even though I pay in the full fifteen percent because I'm sole proprietor. I can't get it because I can't sign up online because I've been paid outside of the state of California in the last two years. It's where I get most of my checks is from outside of California. And so that means I have to call in and do it over the phone. But the only problem is the unemployment office is only open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. You have four hours a day to get through and everybody and their mother's calling. So what happens is you get on the phone, you go through about a five minute, uh, you know, push option thing that you can't skip and then you get to the end and they go there's too many people on the line uh call back later and they just hang up on you they don't even put you on hold like i'd be willing to be on hold i ain't got nothing else to do i'll charge my phone and be on hold for nine hours but they're not even open that long yeah so it, they just make it impossible and it reminds me of my old redneck boss daryl jones rest his soul he passed away in november oh he did wow yeah he passed away in november uh wow. But he, he's 60, ooh, 63. Oh, wow. Okay. 62. Not very old then. No, he needed a heart transplant. They weren't going to give it to him. So they got him out of the hospital and he didn't even make it one day on hospice care. He passed away. Wow. Jeez. Pretty horrible. Gosh. But he told me, because he was a sole proprietor running his own mechanic shop, and he goes, the worst thing you can be is self-employed because... You get to make all their own rules, and that's cool. Make your own hours, that's cool. You don't have to answer to anybody, that's cool. But you have to pay all the benefits, but you don't get any of the benefits. Yeah. You pay in the whole unemployment thing, but go try to get unemployment. You they'll try to look for any reason not to give it to you. It's much better if you have a, it's easier to get a, on, on unemployment if you have a regular nine to five job. Yeah. That's just how it goes. But yeah, th- thankfully the last two years has been good to me and I, I haven't stepped up my living conditions and still drive a Honda Fit and live in a studio. So I have some money saved up in case this thing really goes a long time. But I, it, had this happened two years ago, that would not be the case. I mean, I, I remember in 2017 when my ex and I split and I moved in here, you could have booked me for a bowl of soup. 
Like I, I, I didn't tell anybody and I never asked my mom for money because I have too much pride. And I told her about it later. She's like, why don't you just ask me for money? And because uh, I was scared. I don't, I don't know. Then I'd be like totally defeated. It's like my marriage failed and I need to ask my mom for money. I'm walking off a bridge. Like I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> I, just, I just like, I, I was just in this place with no furniture, just sitting here playing like I had an Xbox and a bottle of wine. I remember that was my first night in here sitting. I didn't even have a bed. My mom gave me like a, like what looked like a dog pillow that I threw on the ground and I was just sitting there playing Xbox, chugging a wine, no wine glasses straight out of the bottle, just going, well, it can only go up from here. <laughs> but had the, like had what's happening now happened in the summer fall of 2017, I don't, I would have had to ask my mom for like, I would have been screwed. I was down to my last penny. I was beyond living paycheck to paycheck. I was, I, I needed the yeah. next paycheck yesterday. You know, it was that. You'd have to sell that Xbox and bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, no matter how bad it gets, I'm not getting rid of the wine. We need something to numb the pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel yeah. for all my, all my comic buddies out there that, um, timing man timing is rough you were on the road for uh how long you were opening for vicky barbalak who made it into the finals of america's got talent yeah we were traveling a ton i mean that month right before this happened it was every tuesday in vegas i was in we went to arizona and i i flew to virginia for a show and then we we're in san francisco and i mean it was like I was home for like three days for the whole month or something. I was, yeah. you know, when it first happened, I was like, Oh, a nice, this is a nice break. But that went away quick where you're like, man, what is going on? I, you know, my fear is, uh, losing ability, you know, losing, losing comedic, um, timing, losing, oh, yeah. losing that snap that you get when you perform every single night on the road doing half hours, 45s, whatever it is. And then you, you know, having to do just sit around thinking about quarantine material. And then that's what everyone else is going to talk about. There's when this opens up again, and I know it's going to be gradual because I'm pretty sure California will be the last one to open. But when comedy does open up again and however whatever form it's going to open and there's going to be at least a good month when you're going to be seeing some bad comedy shows you and me are going to bomb everyone's going to bomb for a while until we get our bearings because we're not going to have full comedy clubs we both know the good vibe for a good comedy club tight packed room low ceiling claustrophobic the best yep. setup for a comedy show is the audience has to be in claustrophobic conditions to really kill and we're not going to have that. And on top of not having that and having everyone spaced out, we got two months off or three months off or six months off, depending on how long this goes until we get to step on stage again. Dude, this is going to be a good month of just eating ass on stage for a while. And then hopefully we can go back to some resemblance to normal. But man, I'd yeah. think for that. I'd love to do comedy. I, I don't even like admitting this because I know we're all supposed to be into this together and staying put not spread the virus but i'd be honest i'd be lying if i told you that i would turn down some like speakeasy comedy show in the back of a bar where like there was 
50 people packed in there and they're like, they want comedy. I'd be like, all right, I'm not talking to any of them. I'll in a back door, I'll do my set and I'll run the, I'll run the hell out. But I'm not, but I, I, I'd be lying if I told you I would turn that down. I really love comedy. It's like an alcoholic who was around during prohibition days. You're like, what? I can't get alcohol. I, I got to make beer in my bathtub. I got to go knock on the back door of some pool hall so I can grab a beer. That's that's my relationship with stand-up. And that kind of is what surprises me about the fact that, well, you and I both haven't done any Zoom shows. You know, that we we love it. It's our favorite thing. And yet just don't want to maybe pollute that feeling with a bomb in front of silence in front of the computer. I don't know why. You haven't tried it, but I know that's why I haven't done it is because I don't want it. I don't want to hate what I love. You know, I don't want it to take it's, away the one thing that I really love. My argument to it is really childish. And and by the way, I told you this yesterday and I've said it on my podcast before. I don't judge any comic for doing them. No, I'm I'm proud of them, really. And I'm yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Impressed. And I'm rooting for them. And who knows? Maybe one day I'll join them, depending on how long this goes. But. My argument against yeah. it is really childish. And that argument is it's not the same. You know, it's like loving Fruity Pebbles, but you, your family's poor. So they got the discount Fruity Pebbles. And then your mom's like, it's the same. And you're like, it's not the same. That's how I feel. It's very childish. It's immature. I should try. I should try to adapt. But yeah. No, a, a, a Zoom comedy show is like eating Hydrox, right? Yeah. Yeah. Give me real Oreos. What are we doing? Yeah. I think eventually we're going to have to do it. <laughs> I think so. I mean, we were talking about that today, that church wants to reschedule a show as a Zoom show, but it's not until right. August. And then the hope in my head is maybe by August, some of the comedy clubs here will open up to some capacity and then we can get some sets under. It. I just don't want my first set back to be on a Zoom show, especially show we're going to get paid for. That's also a fundraiser because... I don't like, I don't like my fear is that I'm going to bomb and then they're going to feel bad about paying. Yeah. I certainly don't want to get, you know, a bomb on a, on a paid gig when it's being the first gig back. It'd be great to get some practice in, yeah. try the new material out. You know, I, I feel like that's going to be the tired thing is, is watching that first couple months of open mics of everybody having nothing but quarantine material, different, Netflix jokes, different, you know, Tiger King this, Tiger King that, whatever. I mean, to be fair, there'll be way too many Tiger King jokes out there right now. Yeah, yeah. I haven't finished it yet, but I don't have one. I watched it and I, I uh, no, I don't have a joke. I haven't finished the show. I, I oh, okay. I, I watched the whole thing thoroughly entertained. I don't know what the joke is. I don't either. I think the joke is the show. And yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, I try, I was watching it with my girlfriend and like, is like an episode in? She's like, I hate him. I hate, look how bad he is to those tiger. I mean, she's just like, yeah, we're not watching. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, he I, fell asleep right during the worst part, which was, I was glad. Like she was, she fell asleep right when they like dragged this tiger cub from his mother, like a newly born cub, like through the fence. Oh, and I was like, just keep sleeping, honey. Keep sleeping. Don't watch this. Do not watch this. Because I want to keep watching this show. And I know if she sees that, we'll never see any more of this show. Yeah, that's the worst. My ex used to be like that. Where like I love I love watching like National Geographic like animal shows. 
I'm into that. I don't know. I'm like a hundred year old man, but like, you know, like two rams would start fighting because it's mating season. And she's like, I don't want to watch animals fight. And I'm like, what? They're fighting for love. Like, I thought this would be romantic. (laughs) 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 Or like, or like some like King Cobra would come by and like get a rat and then kill it. They're like, oh, I don't want to this violent. And I'm like, damn it. (laughs) You know, I'm into animals shows. I like learning about animals and how they are in the wild, and that's how they are in the wild. Yeah. We get a lot of wild animal stuff here just from these cats. I know your cat is basically stays inside. Oh, yeah. I, I let her outside a little bit, but very little. And My cat is an outdoor boy, and he is um, killing every bird. So we had to buy him this ridiculous collar that makes him look like a jester from the medieval days. He's got He's a little black cat. Well, he's a big, fat black cat, but he has this big rainbow colored like elizabethan collar it looks like that he wears so he can't so every bird sees him coming so the birds see him coming and it has a bell on it it's like big ringing rainbow bell because he killed like four birds in a week and we read online that like these house cats just decimate the bird populations in local areas and so we were googling it and it said you know um Save it was like save a bird collar, and it's like saves 87% of birds. And we put it on him, and he just looks like this clowny ass. He looks ridiculous. He looks, I laugh at him every time I see him. He comes into the room all badass with his, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> look at this stupid look. He's just so ridiculous. But it, you know, so far he hasn't killed any more birds. He's just been hell on butterflies. He's just, just annihilating butterflies now. And I guess they're too stupid to see color or. <laughs> it's too stupid to see color. I can't believe I just said that. That was horrible. <laughs> a horrible judgment on the animal kingdom. I just love the idea that like the ocean beach bird count is down because of your cat. <laughs> We're down eighty-seven <laughs> percent. We need to narrow this down. Where are the sparrows? I tell you. We're losing birds like teeth in this town. <laughs> <laughs> The meth are dropping. The meth meth birds are dropping like flies. Oh, gee. He hasn't taken out any of the parrots, though. Those are the loud ones that are just squawk. They just scream. I don't think you're kidding. My girlfriend, who loves animals, will still be like, Meowsy, get those birds. You know? Your cat's big, but it can't take down a parrot. Those parrots are mean. Yeah, I don't think. I don't put much past this guy. He's not. He's. uh, He's hungry. He's a hungry boy. <laughs> he is hungry. So he's not just killing him, he's eating him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he brought a hummingbird into the house and went under my bed with it. And we're taking a nap. We wake up. There's a hummingbird flying around the room. The cat is going after him. She starts screaming. We're like, oh, my God. I'm trying to catch the hummingbird, bring it outside and save him. He gets the hummingbird, rips its head off. He's eating. The- I'm like, oh, this is horrifying. It is a horrifying scene in my house of of decapitated hummingbirds and and uh i can't take it i had to i had to get him this clowny ass collar so <laughs> that was the final straw that was it i was like no forget it you're gonna wear this clown I ass your cat got the hummingbird before you did like i just pictured you in your underwear <laughs> Grab this hummingbird and your cat was like, Don't worry, I got it, buddy. And I'm gonna rip it. And I've already trained on 15 freaking butterflies he's brought into the house and goes under the bed with him. 
and then they fly around. So I'm like, I'm used, to, I've saved like at least a dozen butterflies that their wings are getting all thrashed. And I'm like, come on outside, little guy, run, now fly, get away, go, go, go. And the cat's just looking at me like, you son of a bitch, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I gotta save them. I feel bad. I know they're they're predators, but and meanwhile, then I'm like, don't kill the birds. Now let me give you this other can of chicken. <laughs> Fifty chickens a week, and I'm just like, stop killing the birds. Kill these birds. They don't look like birds anymore. Kill these canned congealed birds. Your cat is like Alex Jones. It wants non-GMO free range. <laughs> it doesn't want this processed crap. <laughs> Your cat is my cat is like if I'm locked down much longer, I'm gonna eat that bird's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll string them up. I'll gut them. I'll bleed them out, and I'll eat that bird ass first. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. My girlfriend does think that my cat would probably be very conservative. <laughs> It's, every time he walks in, she goes, what political party do you think he'd be? And I'm like, what? That's hilarious. That's really Because yeah. he's so selfish. She, like, has this feeling that, like, like some of the, her friend, like, his friend, MJ, is, like, this sweet little cat. So we're like, ah, uh, he's probably, like, super bleeding heart liberal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, now she's like, I don't care about anything but food. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> he's out here going, I get <laughs> I'm a conservationist. I got to keep these bird populations in order. Otherwise, yeah. they get out of control. That's my bird. That's my cat. He's sitting on the porch with a shotgun looking at birds like, get off my lawn. I'm like, oh. My cat's a little, little yeah. red statey. Hmm. Anyway. It's incredibly funny. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this up. I don't know what else to take from there. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was great. So much fun. Was there anything else you wanted to plug or say or ask or do or whatever? We have no I just really wanted to chat with you, Z. I don't really care about anything else. I, I you know, I hope people check out the dry bar comedy special, but um, I was just happy to get to do the podcast with you. And cool. Like I say, we're sort of like the, the two old San Diego vets that haven't, haven't uh, gone away. No, I'm not moving anywhere. I'm going to yeah. do it. I've had all my success from here, so I don't I don't see what another city would do for me. But um, before we go, uh, throw out your social medias, and then I'll wrap this up. Yeah, I'm uh, at Jesse Egan Comedy on all social media, and my website is jesseegan.net because some architect took .com, and um, if you go to drybarcomedy.com, you can check out my special for free. So Perfect. please. Perfect. Thanks for being on this. This has been this week in Zoltan episode 292 with Mr. Jesse Egan. I hope you enjoyed it. Go follow him on all the social medias and go check out his special. Thank and you so much, Z. Do this again. I really appreciate you having me on, buddy. And I uh, hope you have a fantastic day. Don't be uh, don't be too sad, man. We're going to get through this okay. We will be. We'll be all right. These Things like this make me feel better. And me then I, I hit end broadcast, and then I'm right back to sad. Same here. <laughs> I'm gonna hit end broadcast, but don't don't go away. One sec, no. and we're done.